Hi there and welcome to episode 64 of this the value through vulnerability podcast i am very excited to introduce you to chris lovett chris is a performance coach and minimalist and it's the first time we've had someone that is practicing minimalism on this podcast a really really interesting chap someone that has bridged um, a very deeply technical role and also a passion for coaching which is really interesting What's also interesting is that some of the messages he speaks to, such as they, he and his partner had layers of stuff, physical and mental, that was blocking them from doing the one thing they wanted to do, which was go traveling. And what's really interesting, he speaks about the fact that when we work within our work environments, how often have we, how often have you, the listener, been somebody, been somewhere, maybe you've got an extra responsibility or there's some other role you've got promoted into, and before you know it, 10 years of your life has gone. Um, or you've moved to another company, you're just doing more of the same for more money. I really love how Chris speaks about that minimalism helped him have the courage to change his career completely. I think you're going to find loads of really interesting insights um, during this conversation. Chris and I would love if you'd offer some feedback via the different social media feeds. And uh, yeah, enjoy the conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And this evening, I'm really excited to introduce you, the listener, to Chris Lovett, who is a performance and leadership coach and also minimalist. So good evening, Chris. Hi, Gary. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you, sir. As we get going, would you mind giving, giving our listeners, as we've got someone else involved in the conversation right now, a little bit more about you? You know, how did you come about this uh, minimalist term, so I think it's quite an interesting one. And you know, and is there any other passions that are that float your boat day to day, Chris? Yeah, well, I suppose Gary, it's a weird journey, Gary. Um, you know some of it, but I will fill fill people in on what happened. So Great. you're kind of going around life, and you're drifting along, and you've got your nine to five. Yeah, you you go through your yearly appraisals. Um, you buy your house. You know, all these life things all tick off. Um, and then before you know it, 10 years has gone by and you've been in the same role, been in the same job, and you can't really remember what you've achieved over that amount of time. And you forget what your values are and what's important to you. So something happened to me and my partner um, where traveling became this big, important thing in our life. Um, but what we've done is we created so many obstacles in the way. We'd had a little bit of debt, um, we had um, busy lives, or what we thought were busy lives, we both had nine to five jobs, um, and we also had a lot of clutter. So our home was filled with stuff, basically, mm-hmm. that we'd accumulated over time. So the d- decisions that we'd had made around purchases and things like that, all of a sudden were stored in all the spaces that we'd got in our home. And traveling, was our passion that is what we wanted to do but actually what we've done is we created like a prison and we couldn't we couldn't go traveling because apparently we were too busy Mm. we had we had debt so we had no savings of note uh we lived month to month but actually we weren't really living at all um and obviously all the clutter that we had gathered over the course of years together and then moved in together we had lots of clothes and uh, and purchases over the years that we just kept in boxes. Because um, obviously the whole point in buying a property together is just fill the space with your crap, I suppose. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's like, there was layers of stuff, um, physical and mental stuff, blocking us from doing the one thing that we wanted to do, which was go traveling. So that's why we really struggled to shake it off. Um, and that is how I came across minimalism. So I actually stumbled across it by mistake where... I was exploring mindfulness with, uh, with my team to help support them through different changes in their lives and in their roles, etc. Um, I didn't really know what it was, so I researched a little bit more. I, I found this community of people that were just shedding their belongings. And then all of a sudden, they had more time to do the things that they actually wanted to do. 
and, and obviously that's what I wanted. I, I wanted a bit more time and you know, I wanted to go traveling. Mm-hmm. But you know, these, these people were, were an inspiration, but what they were doing wasn't actually groundbreaking, you know, because they were, all they were doing is just removing some rubbish from their home. And I was thinking, how, how hard could that be? How hard could clearing out your stuff that you don't use? It could be that difficult, surely. And, and how could that thing that I thought be so trivial be so enlightening? But actually, once you start doing it, your mindset shifts and you all of a sudden you start to unlock the potential in you and you go on this magical journey uh, around, around understanding what adds value to your life. You understand what the important things are in your life and you prioritize them and you do it more uh, and you end up getting rid of stuff that you don't want doing stuff that you don't want to do and then you take it into all parts of your life you can take it into your personal life into your work life all sorts so um that's why i am quite passionate about minimalism and how it can help people actually shed some of the weight that's on them and actually just be a completely full 100 percent potential of themselves that's 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 such an awesome intro i'll I'll tell you what's coming up for me straight away and i think it's really interesting you know one of the themes of this podcast as you know chris is actually around mindset but i just think that 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 phrase you just used shedding the physical and mental stuff it's interesting isn't it because i don't think you know we we talk a lot about shedding physical weight but we don't talk about really shedding the weight that's on our mind do we well that's it i mean the the way into minimalism is through the physical um, you know, I've researched a lot of people and there's a lot of minimalists out there that are more kind of American. I've not really met any UK based minimalists yet. Um, but what what they tend to do is is start with your physical. So all the stuff around you, because it's easier to control and it's easier to action. So if you've got a box of stuff in your garage that you've not used for 20 years, you know, the physical act of removing it from your garage and taking it to a charity shop, selling it or um taking it to a rubbish tip that that physical act is quite easy it's that next phase of that mental stuff of that you know the mind cluster that's where it gets a little bit more tricky but that's where you gain the most value mm, and do, do you mind speaking to that a little bit so, so maybe back to your journey again you wanted to go traveling you know you, you start you clearly started to sort of remind yourself of what you held more dear what was more important your values etc what are some of your biggest challenges in terms of you sort of dealing with that men- that mindset, that mental side of uh, minimalism for you? Yeah. So I've, you know, when I was in my role um, in my previous company, um, I didn't have a lot of drive to achieve personal goals. My, you know, I was passionate about what I did at work. Um, I enjoyed the place that I worked at. I enjoyed the people that I worked at. Um, but there was always something in the back of my mind that, I, you know, I should be achieving something else i should be doing more and it was a heart to heart with my partner actually and and she was a bit like look i'm younger than you (laughs) so i've got more energy you know that's true um you know i want to go traveling i want to do these things but it seems that you've got quite a bit in the way and and i'd always wanted to do it but there was always something stopping me from doing something and whether that was it was too uncomfortable or i'd just create these excuses and things like you know all you know i can't because there might be a role coming up soon for me that i could go for um or you know there's a big family event that i can't miss and things like that so there was always something in the way coming up that was blocking me doing something mm-hmm. and then obviously i mentioned earlier around the accumulation of the debt and then the accumulation of the stuff um, and being busy all the time they were the layers so what we ended up doing was um just going for it and actually booking a date and we booked a date where we were going traveling but we didn't actually have any funds to pay for it um so we contemplated getting a loan borrowing money but that would just exasperate the issue that we had in the first place which was we had a bit of debt and we had too much stuff what we ended up doing was selling everything so i, I looked around my home and it was just full of stuff you know you work on your wardrobe and I realized that I hadn't worn some of the clothes for, for years. You know, I'd go through the T-shirts and I'd be thinking, I don't even think that fits anymore. But I'm still keeping hold of it. Why? Mm. And then it was while I was getting rid of this stuff, I found the difficulty and I found the blockers because actually what the stuff and all the decisions that I'd made over the years, what the stuff had done is 
they're all parts of me. And for me to get rid of the stuff would mean that I'd be getting rid of part of me and therefore I couldn't do that thing anymore. A prime example being um, football kits. So I collected football kits to play football in. But then I stopped playing football, but I kept the kits, even though I didn't wear them. <laughs> so all they were doing was just creating clutter and, you know, taking up extra room. And we're talking, I had like 50, 60 kits, you know, <laughs> all the, all the home away third shirts from seasons gone by and I'd never wear them. Uh, and I'd look at that and I'm thinking, oh, but if I get rid of that, that means I can't play football anymore. That was how my mind was. But actually, we all know that's not true. You know, I could just go out and play football if I wanted to. But that was that blockage that um, getting rid of my stuff had. Same with guitars as well. If I got rid of my guitars, does that mean I've lost my passion in music? Well, no. It just means I haven't played guitar for two years. Give it to someone else who add value. It's, you know, they can get value from it. And so it was clearing all of that stuff that actually helped my mind be a bit more freer. And, and as, we were, as we got to the end and we saved, we got rid of all of our debt, we saved lots of money. We actually then sold our property, sold the car. I took a career break at work. My partner quit her job. Um, and we went traveling and, you know, halfway through our travels was then at the moment then I thought I could live quite happily with a lot less than what I've got. And it was then when we were, in, we were traveling, when we, we, had our, we you know, lost half of our clothes. We took far too much and had to send some of it home. But we were experiencing lots of different things and growing as people. We didn't have any of the stuff. So it was marrying that up and actually that's where we became a bit more minimalist. And I've tried to bring that into my, my new life now as a performance coach. That's amazing. I'd like to come back to the, uh, to, to the I think it's fascinating, uh, Chris, that you've got this blended role, you know, this really, this sort of passion for minimalism, but also you're a performance coach within, you know, the banking sector. So I want to come back to that, if I may. Yeah. But I'd like just to, to touch, I think a really beautiful and insightful comment you just shared was getting rid of my stuff felt like getting rid of part of me. I yeah. think identity thing is so powerful, isn't it, with regards to materialism? It is. It is. And the issue is that it's thrown in front of us every day. So I don't know how many adverts you've seen today, Gary, on your, on your walk to work or your commute, or if you're working at home, how many, how many emails you've got that are trying to sell you stuff. You know, it is very difficult out there. We, you know, we are bombarded with information every day. And it's almost like you have to buy this thing because society says you have to. So therefore we end up purchasing those things. Um, and actually, the reality is we don't need that stuff at all. What's come up recently? We've had Amazon, Amazon flash sales, Amazon Prime Day. We've got Black Friday coming up in a few months. You know, all of this stuff is saying, you know, this, these deals are too good to be true. You need all this stuff. Where in reality is all you really need is your values and a purpose to go ahead and achieve what you want to achieve. It's... I'm um I know our mutual friend Rich Cooper's going to laugh because it's happening yet again. Like I'm literally <laughs> listening to you, um, Chris, because what's coming up for me is you if you explain this journey and you're so present and so calm with it, which is beautiful to hear, is like what you're experiencing and what you believe in is the like it's the anti, anti I can't even say the word you know it's the it's the complete antidote basically to the excessive consumption and consumerism we've all been brought up on for the last like 60 years well the antidote potentially yeah potentially there is i mean there's a having a more minimalist mindset um can help you in 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 various ways there is a spectrum you know i'm not here to to preach around that you need to live off grid or have mm. you know 100 items or less it's not a race to the bottom or anything like that it is literally a, a, a mindset and a lifestyle that you can tailor to you based on your own, um, your, your own life and how you're going about different things, your own work environment, things like that. So if you work in a corporate environment, you can bring it into a corporate environment and use that mindset to have a look at your meetings, your emails, the, the stuff you've kept in your drawer all, that, all those months that you've never looked at. Um, how you're adding value are you attending meetings where you know actually it's it's going to be two hours long but we're done talking after 30 minutes but the rest of it is just chit chat 
So there's, there's so many areas that you can take and put into your own life to make it work for you, which is what is so great about minimalism and how I've then utilized it and almost created this bespoke lifestyle for myself that suits my partner and my dog as well. It all suits us perfectly. And, 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 yeah, and it gives you that courage to, to say, no, that doesn't really add value to me. I'm not going to do that anymore. Or actually I want to spend more time with the people that I like because I get great value out of spending time with lots of people. So you'll end up prioritizing your list of things that you want to do and doing more of it. I mean, which is great. Why would you not want to do that? What a, what a great provocation. What a great provocation. I think, so I'm just trying to think back now to some examples from my side, Chris. So I've, I've not, there's, there's a word coming up for me, which is intentional. So it's yes. clear that you're very, in t to be more minimalist on this spectrum that you're talking about, you need to be intentional about taking action to, yes. to be more minimalist. Would that be a fair, it's not something that's going to sort of arrive in your lap. That's it. Yeah. There is a certain sense of you need to take action and it's always, you can marry it back to, I want to be more healthier. I want to lose weight. I want to be fitter. You know, you start off by taking action and it's not like you don't go to the gym one time, do 20 sit-ups and think I've got a six pack now. It doesn't work that way. Um, you keep on going and what you do is you create these habits. So your, your first step, you know, for me, I would recommend the first step be in taking action in your environment, in your physical environment. And whether that is your car, you know, your desk, your work environment, your home, garage, loft, whatever it is, and ask questions. You know, there's a box there that's got photos in them. Do you need all those photos? Do they add value? You know, if they were so precious to you, you'd maybe put them on display. Um, you know, how do you utilize tech now? You know, you can potentially go and get those photos scanned and have them stored on the USB rather than have the big box that, you know, God forbid there's a fire and you got, you know, you lose your photos anyway. So, you know, it's questioning the thing that adds value to your life. And, and the more times you ask yourself questions, the more you'll get into a habit of making a quick decision around, does this add value? Does this bring joy to my life? Yes, no. And you can almost become, you can almost wash away a lot of the stuff. But there's that physical element of getting past that first hurdle first of, you know, going to an area where you know there's a lot of clutter. We'll, we'll, we'll use a car, for example. If a lot of people drive, and maybe people drive and listen to this podcast now, and their glove box is full of stuff that they've never even seen or used for, for years. The boot has got loads of stuff in it that actually was supposed to take to the tip a few months ago, but it's still there. You know, there's, there's loads of areas where you can just start creating these little habits and then you get into a role. And before you know it, you've changed career, you've gone traveling, you've gone all sorts of stuff. And it's because of that first physical step that you take, you can then change your mindset. I'm just digesting this, Chris. It's, it's, <laughs> no, but it's, it's brilliant, and it's it's unlike any other conversation I've had in the first like 63 discussions on this podcast. And what's lovely though is you are really touching on a lot of the themes, such as we spoke about mindset. You're speaking about the courage, the courage to say no. And something that's coming up for me, and I appreciate you challenging or sort of expanding, is that there's something for me around. I've just made a note here around sort of like intention. So you set the intention. You need the courage to take the action. Which, but if you, once you've done that, you get the motivation to create the habit, which leads to progress. Yeah. You no, know, that's that, that's a sort of a chain that's coming up for me. Does it? Does that sound? Would you challenge? Yeah. You add to yeah it? Brilliant. I mean, with the intention part, Gary. I mean, we don't even necessarily have to go that that into that depth. Really, intentional purchases is really where where you can potentially start. Mm. You know, we could, again, like I mentioned earlier, we're bombarded with discounts. You know, you need to buy this thing now, whatever it is. And we feel obliged to do that because that's just how we've been programmed. And, you know, information is available to us at the touch of a button. I can go and buy something from Amazon today and have it delivered tomorrow. So the ease of buying things is, is grown and exponentially. So we can just do that and have that thing tomorrow. No problem. But it's having that pause button and saying, right, I need to go and buy a book. And they go, why? Why do I need to buy that book? And it's questioning. And actually, if you need to buy that book, we well, can wait 10 days. 
And after that 10 days, you can go, right, do I still need to buy that book? Um, well, actually, you know, I've, I've seen the film now, or, you know, my friend's got it, I can borrow it off them. You know, my work library's got it, I can get it free there. And it's that kind of delay, that intentional purchasing delay, where you give it about 10, 10 12 days, and you go back to it. And if you still want to buy it, then go ahead and buy it. But actually, some of the time, we'll probably forget. We'll forget. And we'll forget why it was so important in the first place. And if it was, if it was that important, we'd go back to it and we'd have bought it. But actually, a lot of time what will happen is you'll forget. <laughs> it wasn't that important in the first place. Oh, man. I've got, I've got my, like, with my Brene Brown moment, I've got my shame meters going off in the, going off the, like a rocket, I'll tell I you. Didn't mean for that, I didn't mean for that to happen, Gary. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, me, it's me doing it to myself. It's not at all from you. No, I'm just, it's, it's from a fun point of view. I'm laughing. I'm looking behind me in my lounge here and I've literally got like 70 books and every time I buy one I've not done I just love that advice you just gave which is pause give it a week give it 10 12 days and see if you it, it matters to you that much that you still want to purchase it and if it does that's fine but give yourself that pause I think that is such a powerful example which can be used in all walks of life here yeah 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 exactly and there is nothing against buying stuff you know I I like to buy stuff but I like to buy the right stuff yeah. because my, you know, my, my resources are finite. And that, you know, when I say resources, I mean, you know, my time, my energy, you know, my money, they're all finite. And it's not just about the, the purchase, that initial purchase, then it, that's my money side. I've then potentially got to be home when the delivery arrives. So that's my time. I think there's the upkeep of that thing as well, which is my time, my energy. I've got to clean it. I've got to store it somewhere. And if I if I bought quite a big thing, I might have to buy another thing to store it. So it's just a you know it's that kind of pattern of if you're buying something, just pause. If you really need it, you will buy it. That's fine. I, mean, I know you mentioned about the books, Gary. Um, this is a pinch point for a lot of people, and it is an area that I focused on with my own kind of journey through minimalism. Is the books, you know. I've still got a few books, but I've probably got about 20% of what I had before. Yeah. And, it, and that was me asking the question of myself, got classic books on, I did have classic books on my bookshelf. You know, 1984, I had great personal development books. I had travel books of countries that I was intending to go to and then never went. Um, you know, thrillers that I'd not got around to reading. And it was just a genuine question to myself going, Am I going to read these books? Genuinely going to read these books? Or could I add value to someone else by giving these books to someone who will read them? And that was a lot more powerful for me, knowing that actually I could go to a charity shop or I could go to my friends and family and say, I have 10 books here that I've never read and I've had them for 10 years and I don't intend to read them. So will you gain value from having these books? And people would take books off me for free and I'd give them to a charity shop and someone else can gain value out of them. If at any point I ever want to read that book, you know, on the odd occasion, that 1%, I'll go and buy it again. But that's never happened. <laughs> that's never happened. In, as long as I've been a minimalist, that's never happened. That's really cool. That's honestly, it's, it's, it's so insightful. This is really great. I'd like to actually go back a step now. Eliza, I, I really appreciate you going sort of deep on your journey into minimalism. But I am intrigued now as, um, to go back a step a bit to your sort of your journey and certainly through work. You mentioned about football already. I know that you've been a coach sort of um, back in the early 2000s. Bring us up to speed as to how minimalism is helping you in the workplace. You've got this sort of belief in minimalism. Of course, you're doing a lot around it. You're talking about it. But how does that help you be a performance and leadership coach? Maybe in a way that it wouldn't have done two or three years ago, Chris. Um, yeah, it's helped me. It helped me have the courage to change my career completely. So um, after after travelling and understanding what minimalism was and figuring out that I actually was a minimalist, I had the the courage to actually say, "This doesn't work for me," um, and therefore quit my job and start a new career. You know, going back to the very beginning in my adult life, you know, I always wanted, always wanted to be a footballer. That was my passion in life. Uh, and then after I got to about 
17, 18, and I realised that actually I wasn't good enough to be a professional. I probably should have figured that out earlier, but <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit slow then. Um, was was what what could I do that's still related to football that interests me? And that was coaching. So I went around and got my um, professional coaching badges. Uh, I travelled to the US and did some coaching over there. Um, but I was coaching kids. But it was all out, outside of school hours. So I'd be twiddling my thumbs indoors waiting for the school to finish and then go down do some sessions and come home. So I needed something a bit more full time. Um, my mum then asked me to pay rent. So I needed some money. Uh, so I got a job um, in telesales working in insurance. And that environment kind of took me away from the coaching and it brought me into what an adult work environment should be like. And I just got caught up and you go through the journey of you're good at this therefore you get promoted here and you know you meet your people like-minded people and you go on a journey with them and you you start to succeed you move on and i found myself in in a fraud environment and a financial crime environment in about 2006-2007 and then 10 years later i'm still doing that same fraud stuff and just moved companies but i'm still doing the same stuff and after I kind of figured out minimalism, I, I just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I had come across that decision before, but I hadn't done anything about it because I wanted to be safe. I wanted to keep doing, being in that comfort zone and knowing that I go to work, I know what I'm there for, I know what I'm doing, I can come home and be completely fine with that. After being a minimalist and going traveling and really pushing myself out of my comfort zone, as in seriously out of my comfort zone, I thought, you know what, I've grown so much in these last 18 months, I can do it with my career. So I made a mistake and I joined a bank in a financial crime role, thinking that I could also coach at the same time. After about eight weeks, I found out that wasn't right. But for someone to change their role, you know, so quickly after joining a new company, that, you know, I thought, you know, that's not, is it, are people going to frown? You know, what are people going to think? But actually, it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. I wanted to do coaching. And so what I did is I spoke to a lot of people. I, um, I opened my, my mind to lots of podcasts, including yours, Gary, um, Brené Brown's uh, material, Whitley Johnson's material. Uh, the minimalists have also got their own podcasts. And I was trying to absorb all this information to give me the courage and the armory to go, right, I'm going to go and do something that I've never done before professionally. Um, who's going to take a, who's going to take a punt on me? So I spoke to all lots of different people around the bank and I found this role, leadership coaching role that actually ticked a lot of my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden a job pops up. I applied for it and I got offered it. Um, and like I say, our good friend, Rich Cooper, I always say to him that he was lucky and he always says, is it? <laughs> So, so I put these steps in place so I could actually change, you know, course correct my own career. But it was only because I questioned everything around me. Am I adding value? Mm, potentially. Does this role give me purpose? Mm, not really. What will give me purpose? Coaching. Where can I add most value? Coaching. Where's a coaching job? Here. Apply for it. Got it. And then bringing the minimalism into your work you know, with that mindset of questioning things all the time, I can go to meetings and actually be quite honest and say, yeah, well, we sat there for an hour. We solved the problem in 20 minutes. You know, what, what, what are we going to do with that rest of you know, that 40 minutes extra that you could have had back and you could have actually gone away and, and done something else. So, you know, meetings, um, making sure that, you know, you add value in every meeting. And if it doesn't, why do you do it? processes if processes are elongated if there's 16 steps why you know, keeping hold of materials for years gone by why <laughs> you see a theme gary <laughs> it's really powerful you're speaking to here though for me you know he's mentioned a few times now around sort of getting out of comfort zone you know courage being curious has come up a lot in our conversation and of course you know, this conversation, this podcast is all about those really deeply human elements. And what I'm really enjoying you sharing with your journey and how it applies not only to your personal life, Chris, but at work is actually by being at least 
more minimalist, you know, on that spectrum you spoke about, actually sounds like it allows you to step more into your power because you're not overthinking everything. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, I don't know how, you know, the listeners now, how many things they've got going on today. You know, you know, I've got to go to yoga or I've got to go and pick the kids up or, you know, I've got to go to work. I've got 12 meetings and I've, I'm double booked for this. It's just, that's, that's what happens. You know, life happens, but you're in control. You can control it. And you can say no to those things that don't add value, not just turn up, uh, you know, and just drift along. You know, I've not mentioned about, you know, disruption yet. You know, we talk, you know, listen to a lot of Whitney Johnson stuff and, and she always talks about disrupting yourself. And you can marry that into minimalism. Minimalism, minimalism is about disrupting your environment and disrupting yourself. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd recommend I'd recommend minimalism to anyone, or at least to dip your toe and see what happens. That's awesome. And how can people, just out of interest, I think you've I appreciate this is going to go out this podcast a little bit after. I think you've got an event this Thursday. Are you, are you doing much speaking? Are you leading sort of other events? What what, what are you doing in terms of trying to bring? more of your passion for minimalism to life, Chris, at the moment? Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put it into a, uh, a bit of a motivational, inspirational talk where I can uh, use my journey to help others. Because um, I think if we've got experience, of it, we've gone through certain things, I think it's only right that we then try and share that to help others. Um, so I'm trying to um, put a, a 20, 30-minute talk together with a Q&A to help people around minimalism, which is which includes my journey, and also the how-to as well. So, uh, so yeah, this week is you know is a good opportunity for me to to do a bit more public speaking. Um, I'm still new to it. Um, I've done about three or four, and they've all gone down really well actually. And so I've tweaked each one um, as, as I've gone along, and I will eventually find that that perfect rhythm where. It will add value to people. It will be a little bit humorous. Um, it will test. It will test you, and it will question your beliefs. And it will. Uh, you'll, you'll go back potentially going home and going, "Well, why have I got all those shirts?" You know, that's that's the purpose of it is to is to question you. Um, right. And yeah, so hopefully I can do some more uh, as the year pans out. That's awesome. And in terms, and again, I'm just being curious myself here, Chris, for myself as well as the listener. If someone was listening now, or if I was interested in maybe getting you in either to do a talk or might want you to come and facilitate an hour, maybe with some of our leaders or with our team. Is that something you're, you're sort of open to doing both face to face and also virtually Are you sort of open to any suggestion really? Without a doubt, Gary. Yes, definitely. We've done a, I've done a couple already um, in some companies that have been really receptive to it. Um, and, and people are looking at time saving habits and minimalism but not in a in a context like this so yes i am available to come into to companies and into into communities and talk about how you can be more minimalist um so yeah so if people want to reach out i have a website where i, I tend to write a little bit um and that is on minimalings.com so it's minimal and ings so i kind of thought this is what i was procrastinating about gary as a name and that's what blocked me from then releasing my website. And that was one of the things that just get it out there and the name's fine. So it's minimal things without the CH, it's minimalings. There's some writing stuff on there. Uh, and there's an opportunity for people to go on there and have a look, see what products are on offer. Um, so I can do some coaching and I can come in and do some speaking as well. But if you want to just go on there and have a look at some of the articles that I've written, that might tip you um, and give you some little nudges to go away and, and maybe start decluttering yourself. Oh, that, that's, that's superb. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Now I've got all sorts of ideas coming up. I, I can really, really see the value. And I say I'm really challenging my own thinking um, in this area. Cause I think, you know, there's an article you wrote for minimalism life and I'll share that as part of the podcast um, notes as well. I just want to share for our listeners. Um, one of the things I think is really powerful so what you spoke about as part of your journey is not only the fact that you became more minimalist with your partner, you got rid of things, you know, it freed up your mind, Chris. But I love how you in this article speak about the fact that one of your guitars went to an eight-year-old for his birthday's first guitar. One of the cameras yeah. is now being used by a photography student for their course. I yeah. love that community element of actually it's not just good for you. It's actually yeah. the ripple effect to society, which I think is beautiful. Yeah. And that's the thing, if, you know, if 
adding value to your community or society, if that is one of the things you want to do, if you give to charity regularly, this is great. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned in the article, the guitar, the guitar was great. Um, I had some suits as well. I'm not sure if, if that went into the final version, but I had so many suits, Gary. Um, as I'd gone through my years, I'd, I thought, yeah, that suit looks nice. I had purple one, I had a blue one, two grey, a few black ones, nice brown one. All a variation of different suits that I would wear to work. And then obviously as work time has evolved, it's a bit more casual dress. So therefore my need to have, you know, 15, 17 suits become a bit redundant. So rather than keeping all of them just in case, um, I sold some of them and I gave some away. And one of the ones that I sold on eBay went to a 16 year old and they wore that to their prom. I mean, the 16-year-old must have been tall, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and I don't know what he did it in, in it, and I don't want to know. But, you know, to kind of pass that down to someone who's just, you know, starting their adulthood. And, I, and so for me to know that that suit is going to potentially get that guy a good dance, an interview, a job, maybe, then, yeah, that adds a lot of value to me. And it adds a lot of value to, to that individual as well. But it's funny that I mentioned that just in case as well. There's one thing I was going to mention, Gary, is um, they're, they're the three most three dangerous words that I, I reference when I do my talking is, is just in case. Because when we're, when we're looking through of our stuff, what we tend to do is we create a scenario in our head that actually gives us an excuse to keep hold of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so some, one of the examples I wrote about before was um, I had... You know those plug extensions where you've got like four plugs, you can you know, yes. plug it in and you've got extend. I had like eight of those. <laughs> and, but it wasn't, I didn't just purchase eight in one go. But these are decisions that I've made over the course of, I don't know, 10, 12 years. You know, I bought a couple and then maybe I've gone to my parents' house and took one from there and my partner had one and she had. But yeah, you collect all this stuff based on decisions that you've made over the course of your life. And then you look at it and you go, why have I got eight plug balls? Honestly, why have I got, I've got 20 or different plug points in my flat and I've got eight plug balls, which should probably sum up to about 50 odd different plug points. When am I ever going to need to plug 50 things in at the same time? I mean, I don't have that many friends and I, you know, to come around and all charge their phone at the same time. It's not going to happen. Um, I'm not going to be buying that many electrical items that are going to need 50 plug points. So, um, but yeah, that was one of those things where I'd, I'd create this scenario where I thought, well, just in case, I you know, might need those. Um, but it's just you know, relinquishing that just in case thing and removing that scenario from your head. That's I really appreciate you sharing. You know, honestly, I'm so excited this evening. I've literally got 10 suits and I know. <laughs> like, I think my example of this just-in-case thing is almost the reverse, Chris. I know for a fact I've got half a wardrobe of stuff that I used to fit in five years ago that I keep saying, when I get the weight off, I'll be able to fit back in it again. And like, I might do that one day, but that's not the point. It's, like, yeah. it's really interesting. I've not, that, I've not challenged that in a while. Yeah, and that's it, Gary. And that's another one. The motivation um, for us to, you know, I'm going to get back into those jeans. That was one of the things that I had. You know, I want to keep that T-shirt. That T-shirt's really cool. It's a bit snug, but I'll keep it because when I when when I lose the weight, I'm going to wear it again. And does it ever 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 happen? No, honestly. <laughs> there you go. And if you want, you know, if you want motivators to lose weight, there are other ways to do it. But you know, you can. And if you do, do you then go back? No. What you do is you buy more stuff. <laughs> you buy more stuff that suits you now. Um, so yeah, that's one of the one of the key ones. And the great thing about you potentially going away after this podcast gary and taking action is that it's so simple to go away and take action yourself because we've all got areas of our lives where we can look at and go do i really need that and you start to question it so that is the hopefully the fun thing about attending a talk or reading some of some of the bits that i've written is that you can go away and start action in it straight away and if you keep going into it and you keep you know going through the physical items eventually you'll get that mindset and you'll stop bringing it into your other parts of life. And we've not even talked about the, uh, the digital clutter mm. as well. So that's another thing entirely. 
That's really that's a really interesting point. Well, I'm going to be putting out a photo tomorrow to show the pile of stuff that's going to be going to charity. Wow. That's happening tonight, and there will be a picture tomorrow for you. So say thank you, Chris, for this insight, because I've just not seen... You know, that, that, that just in case and that as and when and if I fit back in it. You know, I, I know I've said it to myself and it's not stressed me. I've not been like, oh, no, it's taking up the wardrobe space. But I do know that I'm cluttered in a two bed flat down here on the coast. Mm. And I've, ne- I've not taken action. I've not been clear enough why I've not got rid of it. And like this conversation with me personally, Chris, is so, so helpful. Honestly, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, Gary, imagine. I mean, you do a lot of great stuff now. Can you imagine what more you could do without having extra clutter in your in your home? You know, having that extra space to not clean as often as you do because you don't have that much stuff anymore. You know, what are you going to do with that time? You can help more people, potentially. You could do more podcasts, do more talks. Cool. That is that is a very exciting prospect. Look, let's um, let's do a little bit of your digital because we've got a got a few minutes before we have to wrap up because um, yeah. it's clearly an element that you're passionate about. So. If you don't mind, share share with the listeners your your take on minimalism and digital. Yeah, so so again, this is only through my own personal experience, and I do want to add that you know everything that I've spoken about is through your personal experience, and I've not dramatized it for for entertainment purposes. <laughs> it's all, it is all really real and all happened. Um, I've I've had four email addresses, four personal email addresses plus my work one. Um, so I get emails constantly. And only recently did I realize that I had 3,000 unread emails in one of my inboxes. And again, it, they, these hadn't accumulated in one day. These were just decisions that made over time where I'd subscribe to stuff that I was interested in at that time. And we could be talking about you know, cinema, holidays, discounts, um, clothes, football, you know, whatever it is, you, know, you subscribe to these things over a course of time. But what you don't end up doing is unsubscribing because it's so easy to swipe and just delete it. So therefore you temporarily, temporarily remove that annoyance from your, from your view and you just go, I'll get rid of that. And it's gone. But actually two or three days later, it pops up again. And again, this is a habit of, if you start going unsubscribing stuff that doesn't bring value to your inbox, what you do is you only get the good stuff. So every time you get an alert, you can click on your phone and know Right, that email is going to be good. It's a good email I can take action from, I can learn from. It could be a, a friend, but everything that I get in there is going to be valuable. And the same, same with the clothes. You know, if you if you have, if you don't use say sixty percent of your clothes, you can get rid of it, and you only use your forty percent. But imagine if you had a hundred percent of the stuff that you love. It wouldn't be easy. It wouldn't be difficult to make a decision in the morning. And that's sort of similar with, with your digital stuff. You've got your social media. Again, you're in control. You've got your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn. If these people, accounts, are not adding value to your feed, change it. You, know, you can control this and you can curate what you see um, and you can minimalize your digital impact as well. Same thing in a work environment. You know, your folders, your emails, you know, delete what you don't need. Um, you can potentially put a, a, a auto response saying, you know, if you CC me in this email, I won't look at it. It will also ultimately be deleted, things like that. Um, so there's loads of little bits you can do with your phone and your and your, your digital digital life. I think it's an, it's an awesome share, and oh God, I'm feeling courageous, Chris. I might everyone t- as of tomorrow morning, people might find my inbox is empty as I just put this one. <laughs> Full stop. No, but seriously, could you could you imagine how that might actually shift how people interact and communicate and shift their mindset around relationships if everybody literally put this email box will not be answered? Oh, could you, I mean, you probably know better than me, but you know, if you're seated into a lot of stuff, it consciously like, do I do I have to do something here, or you know, do I need to know this? It's a constant question and it takes, it disrupts you from doing what you're doing in the first place. And we all, you know, we lend ourselves to that, that email. We, although we try and focus on the task at hand, if an email pops up, we automatically get distracted by it. So the less emails you have, the more time you can focus on actually doing things that you want to be doing in the first place. So it's an easy fix that can have quite a, quite a, benef- quite a lot of benefit in the end. 
Well, Chris, all I can say, you've been an absolute joy today, Chris. Honestly, I've learned <laughs> I know I know for a fact that that our listeners will have learned a lot as well. So, just remind us of your your website again, and also other ways that people can reach you, Chris. They want to follow up the conversation with you. Yeah, so the website is minimalings. That's M I N I M A L I N G S. Minimalings. Um, you can also email me at hello minimalings at gmail dot com. Um, or you can just connect with me directly on LinkedIn. So um, I'm Chris Lovett on LinkedIn. You should be able to spot me. My profile picture looks like I'm doing karaoke, but actually I am midway through a motivational speech. Um, so yeah, so it'd be great to connect with people. Um, and can I throw some stats at you, Gary, to, to close out? Please do. So this is from a Brit's perspective. So for any international listeners, you might resonate, but from, our, from us Brits, this is what I've researched and found out. So in 2014, uh, the British Heart Foundation did a bit of research around Britain's clutter. So apparently we keep up to 32.7 billion pounds worth of clutter in our homes. That's billion, not million. That was 2014. Um, in 2018, eBay thought they followed that up. And they found that actually, after researching with a lot of people, Brits hauled up to 48 billion worth of unused items in their homes. Staggering amount. That was last year. This year, a financial company called MyJar have gone on another step. And apparently now saying that Brits are hoarding 81.6 billion pounds worth of unwanted possessions. That is a lot. <laughs> so if you're yeah. if you're looking for a quick you know if you're looking for a, a quick uh, injection of a little bit of cash to try and sell some stuff allegedly we're keeping between 500 pounds to 1700 pounds worth of crap that in our household that we don't use so if you want a little bit of injection of money it's probably sitting in your home <laughs> now um, in the stuff that you don't use so um, just some stats there to, to finish on Gary that's awesome well it's very very powerful message Chris so thank you so much I'm very sure that some people will be following up with you after this is a very unique and different take on a mindset and how do we uh, unleash our potential Chris and really enjoy speaking to you today thanks a lot for your time my pleasure take care all the best see ya bye Hi there, Gary Turner, just wrapping up this conversation with Chris Lovett. I really hope you enjoyed it. It's a really meandering conversation that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. A few of my key takeaways from this discussion. One of them, and I have to quote Chris here, he said, but what the stuff and all the decisions I had made over the years, what the stuff had done, they were part of me. To get rid of the stuff would mean getting rid of a part of me, so I could not do that thing anymore. There's something here around identity for me there's something here around the feeling of loss it's really fascinating how we develop attachment to things that ultimately do not cause us to feel a particular way but our thinking we tell ourselves a story associated to uh, to different things in chris's uh, example with his football kits just what would it look like if you could just take one thing that you're thinking about right now as you listen to me reflect and you actually just put that in the bin and imagining this is something that is negative or something that's keeping you captive in your own mind maybe it's a task at work maybe it's a relationship maybe it's something that you want to do but you keep getting in your own way what would it look like if actually you just completely let that go i just think it'd be really really powerful um in terms of trying to be more minimalist uh, chris spoke about this being on a spectrum i like the fact he said start with your purchases so if you if you just reduce your buying habits or actually just give yourself the time to think. And I loved what he spoke about this pause button. And if you've ever read the chimp paradox by professor Stevens, this speaks about um, basically pausing and taking a deep breath and allowing your um, logical brain to catch up with your chimp brain in terms of your decision-making. But I love what Chris said about if you've gone about to purchase something and i do this all the time with books via Amazon is what if you actually just don't buy that book, allow 10 to 12 days, let it settle. And if for whatever reason in your mind, that book comes back to mind, then okay, you might still want to buy it. But I've got this pile of books that I referenced, the 70 odd books, and I'm probably never going to get around to reading. 
And that's so many of those have been impulse purchases when I came across um, a link or it's been advertised on social media or something else. Also, one of the most powerful comments I felt Chris shared, say no to the things that don't add value. Only you, the listener, knows what adds value to your life. And this is, we're not on about monetary value now. We're about the things that enrich your soul, the things that you hold dear to you, time with the family, going running, going to the gym, meeting friends. What are the things that you hold most dear to you? What things do you value the most? And actually, do you even know? When's the last time you actually wrote down on a piece of paper? Maybe you could do that now. The top three things that you value the most that are non-financial. I wonder what those would be. Do, do let me know. Send me an email. Send me a social media feed. Let me know what, uh, what you feel adds value and did this help you reflect on that? And the final thing is that we can minimize our digital. How often do we actually unsubscribe to those relentless marketing emails that come into our inboxes, whether at work or at home? You know, we can take action straight away. And I indeed did take action straight away the same night after recording with Chris. And I've got three big boxes of stuff that I'm going to get rid of. Of course, it needs to be sustained. But there was so much in this conversation that not only from a, call it physical environment point of view, from a purchase point of view, but how much metaphorically in your mind are you plugging up? How much space are you taking in your own thinking because you're holding on to fear or worry or anxiety about not doing something or seeing someone or performing a certain task? You are so close. You are one thought away from having a more minimalist life in whatever that means to you. And I think the parallels across work, our private lives and society at large are really quite, uh, really quite huge. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation with Chris as much as I did. As always, we're grateful for feedback via different mediums to know that this is landing with you, that it's adding value to you. And of course, if you can leave some form of podcast um, review on the iTunes app um, or wherever else you listen, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be um, SoundCloud or wherever you listen to your podcasts, you know, really like to try and reach more people with these conversations and uh, extend the value to them as well, I hope. So all the best until next time. All the very best for now. And again, I've been your host, Gary Turner. And you can find me at Gary Turner. That's with Gary with two R's, zero on uh, Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Take care for now. Oh, 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 oh,